0: Welcome to another episode of the Reformation Roundtable podcast. My name is Joe Stout, and this podcast is a ministry of Christ Covenant Church in Centralia, Washington. During each episode, you will hear the sermons, liturgy, discussions, and interviews from the various weekly gatherings here at Christ Covenant Church. If you would like to find out more, please visit us online at ChristCovenantCentralia.com. That's ChristCovenantCentralia.com. Please enjoy the following audio.
1: Let us rise and worship the Triune God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
0: And also to you.
1: Our responsive reading is from Psalm 130. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord.
0: Lord, hear my voice your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications.
1: If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand?
0: But there is forgiveness with you, <clears> that you may be feared.
1: I wait for the Lord, my soul waits.
0: And in his word I do hope.
1: My soul waits for the Lord, more than those who watch for the morning.
0: Yes, more than those who watch for the morning.
1: O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy,
0: and with him is abundant redemption,
1: and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Let us pray. O God, with whom is mercy and plenteous redemption, redeem us from our sins, and grant that we may ever obey thy commandments in the fullness of holy devotion. Wherefore we say, glory be to the Father, unto whom we call from the depths. Glory be to the Son, his word, mercy, and redemption, who redeems Israel from all his sins. Glory be to the Holy Ghost, who considers well the voice of our complaint. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. And amen. Amen. For the exhortation this morning, I'm going to be reading a section of Proverbs 1. I'm looking at verses 8 through 19. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. (laughs) Today, Les is going to be preaching about grandparents. We have walked through the duties of parents and children, but I want to talk about this nugget from Proverbs as it relates to instructions. This is applicable for both parents and grandparents and how we disseminate instruction to our children and our grandchildren. Most of the instruction should come from the father, but grandparents can play a crucial role in reinforcing what the parents teach. Solomon is instructing his son and reminding him of the instruction of the father and the law of the mother. These are things that, if heeded well, will be graceful adornments for the children. But what if they are not heeded? I think we have all seen results of this at the grocery store near you. The kid who will do nothing on command but instead whines incessantly about whatever toy, ride, or sugary food item it is that they have to have. The passage in Proverbs instructs against joining in sinners' enticement. What is so enticing? Certainly our kids are not secretly wanting to lie in wait and shed blood behind our backs. But notice that along with the lurking secretly for the innocent, that the sinner believes they will find all kinds of precious possessions filling houses with spoil. The idea is, is that if only they could just do what they want to do and be less concerned for others, then they could have all they ever wanted. No need to follow all those pesky rules and instructions from the parents. We know that this is an evil and selfish hope, one that in the end will not satisfy, but that will surely disappoint and possibly ruin your life in the process. This is why instruction needs to be heeded so much, for the wayward child's feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Such is the way for everyone who is greedy for gain. Our children need wisdom and instruction. Instruction should come from the father, but godly grandparents can be such a help in dispensing that wisdom as well. We need help in that. We know that it takes courage and fortitude to be able to do this well. Sin in families, broken families, estranged parents or grandparents all work against the wise instruction of our children. May we seek to be faithful in our instruction and to lead a new generation of believers along the righteous path filled with wisdom, grace, and mercy through our Lord Jesus Christ. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins. So as you are able, please kneel with me before the Lord. Please rise for the assurance of God's pardon. The enemies of God are brought down and fallen.
0: But we are risen and stand upright.
1: For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is God's mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Saints of Christ's covenant church, because you have confessed your sins, holding nothing back, it is my joy to announce to you that your sins are forgiven through Christ.
2: Thanks be to God. This morning's Sermon scripture begins with Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7. These are the words of the Lord. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob, and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Would you pray with me? Lord, may I not falter in speaking the truth of your word to your precious flock. Open each of our hearts to receive truth and bear the conviction of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: amen.
2: Well, good morning, Christ Covenant Church and those visiting today. It's, uh, it's a beautiful Lord's Day today and wonderful to have you here. As um, I was departing an athletic event yesterday, my dear gray-headed brother Frank, uh, I told him I was going home to do the final edit on the sermon, And he said, "You know, Les, remember now the edit. The edit will cause the sermon to be tightened up and shortened." Well, that didn't happen, Frank. (laughs) But anyway, as we as we look at Psalm seventy-eight, just as in the reading alone of it, we can see immediately here in the opening scriptures, particularly verses five and six, uh, the four. Generation visit vision for families, for fathers, for children, for children yet unborn, and the children of those yet unborn. God wants grandparents, he wants us to think multi-generationally. So just a couple seconds of audience participation. Who in here is a grandparent? It's okay to raise your hand. Okay, so we've got we've got some gray hairs. Frank, there you are. William, William Stout, you are not a grandparent. <laughs> someday, little brother, someday. I like your, I like your optimism and your and all that. But, but now, who in here has has a grandparent or ever has ever had a grandparent? Well, all our hands go up. Correct. So the relevance of these family matters uh, continues. So uh, you young whippersnappers don't tune out today, since we're talking about grandparents. And a lot of grandparents are in in here with us. And that's a blessed, that's a blessed thing to worship, uh, worship together as a family. And as we've marched through our series on the family from the pulpit, we see that the Bible clearly defines the roles of the members within the family. And to very, very briefly highlight, husbands are the head of the home and are to lovingly lead their families, Ephesians 5.23. And wives are given the role of helpmate and are to follow their husband's leadership in Genesis 2.18, in Ephesians five twenty-two, and children are instructed to honor their parents through obedience. Of course, in Exodus twenty verse twelve and Ephesians six verse one. Now, as we come to this last installment, I was thinking about it a little bit. We could have actually done grandparents first, but we're going to finish with grandparents. And the Bible is clear as to the role of grandparents, as well as the reverence we should have for them. Very clear. But the American culture, surprise, surprise. Would differ and disagree with the Bible. None of us are surprised at that, but here we are. Now, many of us are aware, some of us are aware, of the church growth movement that began in earnest in the early 90s and in the way that we've seen it lately. That it looked that church leaders looked to management gurus to teach corporate methodology and unbiblical and purely pragmatic schemes to fill their churches. This is the attractive church. These ploys were used for no other reason than to attract the world and to have them come in and and populate their church. And one of the ugliest boasts that came out of this church growth movement, this this, uh, appeal to management from churches subscribing to these schemes One of the ugliest things that came out of it were signs and proclamations was, this is not your grandparents' church. This is not your grandparents' church. This is a new kind of church, one fit for the modern world. It's not your grandparents' church. Then it is unlikely, what, to welcome grandparents, right? We've seen these progressive churches abandon the hymns they love. We've witnessed these churches crank up irreverent, me-oriented music meant to entertain to volumes that are extremely harsh to to us seasoned ears. But, hey, they self-incriminate by often handing out free earplugs and a show of mercy and accommodation. When us old grayheads would come in, knowing that the, the, the level of music and the nature of it may not appeal to us or resonate with us. And often these churches redirect funds for senior ministry to everything but. These not-your-grandparents churches have proven themselves incredibly weak and fatally flawed. How could anyone think that God would bless such a hellish move? After all, it's gray hair and not a man bun that God declares a crown of glory. Churches without grandparents are just as sick as a church that would have only grandparents in it. So this morning the session has tasked me to answer two questions. And the first question is, what are the special duties of grandparents? And the second question is, what special honor do we owe our grandparents? And there's an addition to that second question, how do we honor ungodly and unbelieving grandparents? So I have six items here to answer the first question. So what are our special duties? what are the special duties of grandparents? And uh, my wife makes sure I number them so she can write them in her notebook. So I'm going to do that. But I want to. I want to make sure we understand before I start that one, they're in no particular order. But two, they also are all. Uh, they're all items that contribute to this overarching responsibility. They all overlap. They're all. They all kind of intermingle, um, and certainly they they make. Uh, when, uh, when they become an attribute of us as grandparents, uh, they allow us to function as God intended us to function. So number one would be to demonstrate the permanent security enjoyed by the faithful. The permanent security enjoyed by the faithful. And who is in a better position to demonstrate this permanence of security than our elders, the grayheads? Who can do that more fully than us? these folks that have that that God saved that God saved at young ages and then carried through to toward that day of perfection in Christ Jesus right philippians 1 verse 6 psalm 92 verses 12 through 14 say the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God they shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. So what does God see? We know what God sees. We know what we see. We know what we see. And when we think about this, this metaphor here of a of, of palm tree and a, and a cedar, the sapling and the mature tree, the sapling and the mature tree consist of the same parts. They have the, 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 they're, they're made of the same things. But think of what the two represent. The palm tree is the embodiment of graceful erectness. The cedar of strength and majesty. Now, I don't know if I should be attributing that to me necessarily, but you get what you get. What's going on here? But the sapling spends its days competing for sun and nourishment. The mature tree towers and bears the marks of a long life. Its root roots deep and secure. It bears what? It bears abundant fruit. Some of us have seen. Um, some of us have seen those cutaways of massive cedar uh, sections of cedar, and they'll have a little a little tag there that says, "This guy survived some massive fire that wiped out, you know, half a county, but this tree endured, and here it is." And you can see that in the rings of the tree. And some you know people some people have a lot of time on their hands and will count and see how old these these mighty cedars are. Uh, Luke Murky. Um, <laughs> But as we look at this, we see in verses 12 and 13 that God has preserved these that are planted in the house of the Lord and caused them what? He's caused them to flourish. Flourish in the courts of God. Evidently, according to scripture, flourishing never goes out of style. No matter how old you are, no matter how infirm you may appear on the outside, God sees the sees inside. And he and he wants us, and honestly, he requires us to flourish. They will bear fruit in old age and are ever full of sap and green, no matter how, no matter the outward appearance. And I came across a quote from Spurgeon that I like, and I'm going to share it with you. It's a short one. Spurgeon said this. He said, "Nature decays, but grace thrives. Fruit, as far as nature is concerned, belongs to days of vigor, but in the garden of grace, when plants are weak in themselves." They become strong in the Lord and abound in fruit, acceptable to the Lord. Now, that, that as we talk about responsibilities of grandparents, that should also encourage us grandparents, right? Encourage, encourage those of us who are in our sixth, seventh, eighth decade here. And we see the outward in our elders, the physical weakening caused by a lifelong lived. But I think what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 and 10 has an application for us here. Um, as we consider grandparents. And and Paul said this, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Number two, a second duty observed in Psalm 92, verse 15, states this, to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. This second duty that I list here, to declare, is the crowning phrase in this short little passage in Psalm 92. We see it again in Psalm 91. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now, also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until what? Until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. All who are to come is a reference to grandchildren. We are to declare. That is a duty of us as grandparents. We are to declare all these things. We are to declare the attributes of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the sovereignty of God, all these things of God. We are to declare it. We are to declare it in both in our, in our words and our action. Number three, it is the duty of grandparents to disciple our youth. That's a duty. And we need to take it very seriously. And not necess- when you take something very seriously, it doesn't automatic- the default isn't automatically that it's, a, it's an unenjoyable burden. When we disciple our youth, we take great, great pleasure in it. We do, especially when our youth are attentive. When they understand that there's significance here, they understand that there's some, some element of this mileage that's on this guy versus my young father that I may need to pay attention to. Proverbs 22, six, very familiar to us, says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Of course, in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, comes immediately after what the Lord, when the Lord has issued the commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Grandparents, we have inherited a faith that has that we are to pass on to our children and grandchildren. This is the biblical idea. This is the biblical notion of heritage. The fourth thing fourth thing that we are responsible for as grandparents is to teach the law. And back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, in verse 9, it says, Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. We talk often about our children and our responsibilities to them. And we talk often about how predatory the landscape out here is. We talk often about who wants to take our children, who wants to steal our children. We know that our battle, often this spiritual battle can be looked at as a war of worldviews. But you know what, we teach our children we teach our children that God is the source of morality, that there is an absolute truth. We teach our children and grandchildren the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we don't stop doing it. We don't just tell it to them once and be satisfied at that. It's a constant thing that we're talking to them about. We talk about obedience to authority and Pastor covered this so very well last week, talking about the responsibilities of children and what they're supposed to do. This 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 notion of obedience, and we teach them the core truths and doctrines of the Christian faith. All this goes hand in hand with discipling. Number five, we avoid sin. And a bit parenthetically, I put. We avoid sin, particularly the sin of hypocrisy. One of the key elements of discipling our grands is to pay close attention to our very our very own walk with Christ. Remember, this this small portion of the message this morning is about our us grandparents, us grayheads, our responsibility, our responsibility to God, and our responsibility to our families. Grandparents are to live Christ-centered lives worthy of imitation. Where a grandparent can say to a grandchild with sincerity and conviction, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I remember I was struggling with that when I when, when I first read Paul saying that, imitate me. And I thought, ooh, really? Shouldn't we? No, hold it. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. What, a, what an important fundamental uh, position and posture that we should have for our grandchildren and for our children too. We grandparents should never, listen, we grandparents should never have an expectation for our grandchildren that exceeds our own walk. And I've seen that. I've been guilty of that. You know, I expect you to to be here, and in the meantime, I turn around and boy, I'm 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 over here. That's why I kind of pointed out hypocrisy a bit. Our own willingness to devote ourselves to Christ needs to be evident in what we do in our walk. That's what integrity is. When I say yes, I mean yes, and when I say no, I mean no. And I need to walk this out. I need to study. We need to study to show ourselves approved. Listen, our grandchildren have much more informed and better questions about God, about man, and life than any senior intellectually oriented secular humanist atheist will ever have that you debate. Our dear children will have much better informed questions for us. And we need to be prepared to answer those questions. That isn't even a massive responsibility, it is a core and fundamental responsibility. And the only way that we can satisfy that responsibility that God has put on us as grandparents is to study to show ourselves approved. If your kid's reading 20 minutes in the Bible, guess what? You better be reading two hours or whatever. You get my drift. And again, <clears throat> excuse me, the list I'm, ha- I'm putting down here can be, could be very, very long you know we could get into a whole lot of detail but my final item here and then we can kind of see again the overarching how these how these things all commingle in in us uh, meeting the responsibilities that we have as grandparents and that last one i think you can you probably know what it is and it's to pray elderly believers bring a unique power to prayer we see paul speak beautifully of this concerning widows but which This can easily be brought to all of us grandparents in 1 Timothy 5, verse 6. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. With her strength waning, with her resources spent and self-reliance shattered, she has drawn near to God and gained the ear of God in a special way. No matter how infirm she looks, no matter how withered and weak she might look, or we might look. We can can hit our knees in war for our families and war for our friends and loved ones, war for our church, war for our school, all of that. We can do that on our knees as grandparents. This woman that Paul is referring to is fulfilling her duties as a grandmother. And again, this, of course, applies to all of us, as grandparents and parents as well. Now, as we move on and look at question two, what special honor do we owe our grandparents? When the books of the Bible were written, parents and grandparents held positions of honor. Children were expected to revere their elders and learn from them. It was an expectation. It was part of the culture. And we know that when the Lord God introduced the law to the Israelite uh, nation, he included a command to honor your father and your mother, again again in Exodus 20. Leviticus 19.32 states, You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. God made it part of his law. And implied in this command is... a Multi-generational attitude of honor and respect toward our senior relatives. I have uh, I have had much occasion to be on campus at Christ the King Academy during the week. Um, somehow I'm the handyman or something, but anyway, I have occasion to come on campus during the week and. Uh, there are times when I would need to go on to one of the classrooms. And when I knock on the door and I open the door, my head barely gets in and this crazy thing happens. The children pretty much unbidden or bidden by the first one who sees me rises up and in unison they say, good morning or good afternoon, Mr. Doyle. And at first, I, was, I felt a bit sheepish about that. But I'm going to tell you what, it brings me a lot of joy. It does. It, it touches me and affects me. That our children are having this instilled in them. That no matter who it is, no matter who it is, they don't even need to be as old as I am. That if a parent came in to drop off cupcakes or do anything, that the class is going to rise to their feet. And they're gonna they're gonna greet you and, and greet you in a wonderful and beautiful way. In the New Testament, the duty of an adult grandchild is made explicit in First Timothy 5, 3, and 4. Honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before the Lord. And we're talking about what special honor do. We all owe our grandparents. So we see that honor shown to a grandparent in need is more than just mere respect. That there's action behind it. And that's, that's a biblical thing. That's a kingdom thing. It is taking practical steps to support grandparents in doing whatever it takes to meet his or her needs. Doing so is a natural part of serving the Lord. And listen, your grand, you know, we have people in this congregation right here who are taking care of their parents and in some cases taking care of their grandparents because it's needed. I know in our household, uh, my son Mike and my daughter Samantha did rock, paper, scissors. Uh, Sam lost, and when, we, when I get old and infirm, she gets me. <laughs> Mike gets K. So... <laughs> But in all seriousness we see our responsibility and how that needs to be walked out in our lives and how 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 a simple thing can be so important just rising up addressing someone you know my dad taught me that you know i called i called the the young guy at the drive-through at mcdonald's sir it's just it was ingrained in me and it's never going to be gone from me And I don't mean it in any kind of way other than it's meant to be, yes, sir, no, ma'am. An unusual grandparenting relationship is found in the book of Ruth. The story of Ruth is a beautiful tale of love and loyalty between a young widow and her bereaved mother-in-law, Naomi. And although her husband is dead, Ruth chooses to stay with her mother-in-law to care for her. She even leaves her own people, the Moabites, to follow Naomi back to Israel, where she, where Ruth, Meets and marries Boaz. And when their first child is born, the townspeople congratulate Naomi, saying, What? Naomi has a son in Ruth 4. The child has no blood relation to Naomi, but because of the love and connection between her and Ruth, she adopted the baby as her own grandchild. This reminds us that grandparenting can come in many forms. In this day of broken families, of divorce, Step parenting, godly men and women who will adopt their children's stepchildren as their own, as their own grandchildren are blessed as Naomi was blessed. Her adopted grandchild, Obed, became the grandfather to who? David, right? King David. Amen. As we continue to look at our responsibilities as grandparents, we also understand that there are going to be times when we Our grandparents are not godly when they're not Christian, when they're unbelievers. And how do we honor these grandparents? Well, let us consider this. Is it ever wrong to lean on the side of mercy? Is it ever wrong to lean on the side of grace? To lean on the side of more rather than less? The Bible tells us that the one who has been forgiven little what? loves little. The one who has been forgiven much loves much. And if you're a Christian here today, let me tell you something. Just in case you've forgotten, just in case, you have been forgiven much. It was given to you as a gift. The gospel tells us that Jesus took the punishment that you des- that you as a member of his elect deserve so that you can have the holiness that you don't deserve. It's given to you as a gift, a gift that came only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So who would, who would we be now to only relate to our parents and grandparents according to what we feel they deserve? That's the thing. And when we get to that place, often what's happened is we've ceased to be grateful and we become entitled. We've been, we become entitled, very dangerous place to be. So think about it. To relate to our elderly parents and grandparents who may be unbelievers solely based on what they deserve is tantamount to us telling God, Lord, deal with me in a manner of what I deserve. We don't want that. The fact is you as a Christian can love your parents and grandparents far greater than they loved you. You can give far more than they gave you. You can make a return that's dramatically bigger than what they gave you. And because of the gospel, you can do it all with joy. Now, let me close this morning with a story that I think is pretty cool. A lot of, some, many of you have probably heard it before. But I think it's pretty cool, and it somewhat illustrates the value of our gray heads. In 1999, I'm going to kind of read it so I don't start getting off track too much. In 1999, a problem lurking in the South African bush became apparent. Game rangers discovered that a new group of juvenile delinquents had been attacking and killing the white rhinoceros, the rhino they spent years trying to protect. In South Africa's Palanisburg Park, rhinos were thriving until an unknown killer began stalking them. 39 rhinos, 10% of the population in the park, were killed. Rhinos are huge, aren't they? They're massive, they're humongous. The killings clearly weren't the work of poachers because the rhino's horns hadn't been touched. The park rangers began investigating. Their first findings led them to believe that if they were to round up the usual suspects, they'd need a pretty large holding pen. That's because the prime suspects were not humans, but elephants. It turned out that young male elephants were being more behind the murders of the Palanisburg rhinos. Now why would they do it? Like juvenile delinquents, they had grown up without role models. And I want to quote Gus van Dyke. Here. He says, "I think everyone needs a role model, and these elephants that left the herd had no role model and had no idea what appropriate elephant behavior was." The problem goes back now, okay, so we've got a, we've got a group of uh, adolescent uh, little, not little, massive elephant thugs running around terrorizing and killing, killing these huge rhinos. The problem goes back 20 years in South Africa's largest conservation area, Kruger National Park. Kruger had too many elephants, and in those days there was no way to relocate these large adults. So researchers decided to kill the adults and save the children who were more easily transported to other parks. The intentions may have been good, but the program created a whole generation of traumatized orphans thrown together without any adults to teach them how to behave. Years later, these lonely orphans developed into troubled teenagers. And that's when the killings at Plannisburg Park began. Like a police department facing a crime wave, the rangers photographed the murder scenes and put together rap sheets on the prime suspects, giving them each names. And one of the suspects, suspects was named Tom Thumb. Uh, Van Dyke said, we've identified that Tom Thumb was in an area where coincidentally a rhino, mor- rhino mortality took place. Tom Thumb was put under surveillance, but other elephants were caught red-handed murdering these rhinos. In addition to killing rhinos, they acted aggressively toward tourist vehicles. Researchers eventually decided to kill five of the elephants. They may have been juvenile delinquents, but there's no reform school for elephants. Then a teenage elephant named Mafuta began causing trouble for Jock McMillan, who cares for elephants at a private game reserve near the park. McMillan didn't want to shoot the elephants, so he decided to try to provide some discipline. But Mafuta turned the reserve's elephant herd, all of whom were orphans relocated without adults, into a street gang. He became, Mafuta became the gang leader. The source of the problem is basically human beings doing something which turned out to be wrong, McMillan said. On that basis, we're pretty much obliged to try and solve the problem before taking the drastic steps of shooting the animals. At that point, it seemed there was still time to study the situation and the real confrontation was several years away. The elephants on his reserve were still too small to attack a rhino. McMillan followed the elephants constantly to document the rhino attacks. The attacks became more violent. At one point, Mafuta spent seven hours stubbornly going after a group of rhinos. When McMillan briefly managed to distract the elephant, the rhinos ran for cover. But when Mafuta saw that he saw what had happened, he charged off in a rage. Several weeks later, he attacked one of the same rhinos again. This time, he actually got on top of her and pushed her down, knelt on her, went around the back, and kicked her, McMillan said. Another, after another attack, he decided to shoot Mafuta. So said, I wasn't happy, said McMillan. I realized it had to be done, but because I had been working rather closely with the animal, you form emotional attachments. The people at Planetsburg also wanted to avoid killing the delinquents. As they studied the elephants, a pattern began to emerge. The elephants picking on the rhinos were suffering from an excess of testosterone. The solution turned out, what, to be the biggest Big Brother program in the world. The rangers began looking for role models to keep the youngsters from mating at an early age when they couldn't handle those raging hormones. They decided to bring in some even larger bull elephants, some bull crayheads. In 1998, the rangers at Kruger brought in some of these big elephants in specially designed trucks. No one had ever tried to move elephants that large before. The bigger, older elephants established a new hierarchy. In part by sparring with the younger elephants to discourage them from being sexually active, and that means less testosterone, and that's good news for the rhinos. Van Dyke compared this group of teenagers who have been acting up who are confronted by their fathers all of a sudden as as a group being confronted by their fathers all of a sudden. The Planesburg juveniles seem to be reading the message loud and clear. Since the big bulls arrived, not one rhino has been killed. Even Tom Thumb has calmed down. He stopped harassing the rhinos and the rangers hope that when he finally gets a chance to mate, he'll be a new man. So Van Dyke, when he gets back to that position, hopefully he's had time to reflect on his misspent youth and think, well, I'm big enough to cope with these females, and rhinos are just not an option anymore. So you see the story here. It's a little, sorry about the length of it. But you see you see the point being that, that God has created this hierarchy and that even even a person like me at my advanced age, I can't, I can't, there's there's a lot of things I can't physically do. I just can't, I can't go out and play hockey or, or e- even a hard game of basketball anymore. But what I can do is I can sit with my children and grandchildren and I can talk to them about the wonder of God and the beauty of Jesus and what he's done. So grandparents, you have a strong charge from God to what? To imitate Christ your grandchildren. And grandchildren, you have a strong charge to respect, learn from, and obey your grandparents. It is the way of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Lord, thank you for carrying many of us to become grandparents, and thank you for our grandchildren destined to become great heads. Let us always bless you in the roles you have set for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: amen. This meal before
2: us is a meal
0: for the generations, young and old children and grandparents. Christ is the one who unites us all across time and space, for he is the one who calls himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God who keeps covenant mercy for thousands and who visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and to the fourth generation. The God who transcends time has been made flesh and dwelt among us. For as Jesus says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So here is bread, and here is wine. The same meal that Abram ate with Melchizedek 2,000 years before Christ is the same meal we are eating today 2,000 years after. For Jesus Christ is the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he offers himself to you now if you will receive him by faith. So come and partake of eternal life. Come and welcome to Jesus Christ. The charge is this. If you are a grandparent, remember those six things. You have a great opportunity, a great responsibility to set a pattern of faith for the next generation. And for the rest of us, let us heed Leviticus 19. Let us rise and greet the gray-headed and the bald-headed as well. (laughs) Receive now the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Amen.